Welcome in to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Jim Wagner. Jim owns his own pitching facility out in Los Angeles, California, called Throw Zone Academy. Trevor Bauer was actually his very first client that he worked with when Trevor was just 10 or 11 years old, all the way up to when Trevor went to UCLA. And in this episode, Jim talks a lot about what he learned when working with Trevor at such a young age and how he was able to apply um, what he learned working with Trevor to helping all other kids that he currently works with and has been able to work with over the years. I think he said he has over six big league pitchers that have come in this this past offseason as an academy. Um, you know, he's been doing it for over 20 years, and his, his business partner now is is Warren Bauer, who uh, is, is Trevor's dad and someone who has great experience in, in that department too. We also get into pitch counts for kids, you know, how many pitches should your kid be throwing on a given weekend or game? At what age should your kid be starting to throw curveballs? And the answer may actually surprise you. It surprised me a little bit. So I think it's, it's you know, good information just from a health and safety standpoint, too, because I know everyone's always so worried about their kids throwing curveballs. It, it may actually not be as bad as you think just listening to Jim uh, during this episode. And lastly, we get into you know what should kids be focusing on when they're when they're throwing when they're training. Jim does a great job explaining what he does at his own facility and how you can take that and, and apply it anywhere across the country that you are. This episode is brought to you by Blast Motion. Blast Motion is a bat sensor you put on the end of your bat on the knob. It tracks how long your bat's on plane with the incoming pitch for attack angle, so whether you're swinging down or up on the ball, bat speed, incredible product for how much it costs. I know in in this tech era, everything seems to be so expensive. That's why I love to partner with Blast Motion because it's such an affordable product for anybody. So if you go to blastmotion.com and you type in code PJB25, they'll hook you up with a discount. That's blastmotion.com, type in code PJB25, and they'll hook you up with a great discount. So go check them out. And ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Jim Wagner. All right, we now welcome on Jim Wagner. Jim, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, I mean, you, you're you someone who has been in the private, private sector of baseball, pitching specifically for over 20 years, and player development has gotten really hot, I'd say maybe the last five years. But, I mean, you've been in player development now for over 20 years, so you really – really saw the value early on. Can you just tell everyone a little bit on how you got started, why you decided to start a facility even 20 years ago, because it wasn't a thing like it is now. Sure. Well, I had in about 1995, I had been working in uh, video post-production. That's what I majored in, in in college after my playing career was done. And um, I was disenchanted. I actually became a police officer and I think my second night out, I realized this isn't what I wanted to do. It was just weird because I had trained so long and and took, it's just a a long route. And so I had, I was at my house. I was actually going to go to another department and 
in the old baseball weekly that USA Today used to have, I think it was like a dollar and it was all color and, but they had classifieds in the back and, and there was a little tiny advertisement that said, who wants to be a pitching coach? And I thought, well, sure. I mean, I coached, um, my, my old high school, when I was done playing as well, um, I was playing in a Sunday league because I just enjoyed playing and, and baseball just really had been such a big focus in my life. I think like everybody, if you play baseball for a long time, you, even if you're done playing, you kind of still consider yourself a baseball player and an athlete. And so I thought, well, I think I can do that. And I sent away for it and they sent me information. I bought a, a packet and started reading and kind of taking it all in. And then from that point, it was like, all right, well, I think I know what to do, but I need to find someone uh, to start to work on this. And this is now 2002. And uh, both my boys had played travel baseball growing up. They were both all-stars in their leagues. They were uh, both very good. And uh, one of the travel teams that my older son, Ryan, was on um, had some good ball players, but there's this little precocious kid uh, by the name of Trevor Bauer and, uh, Trevor's dad, Warren and I, uh, had become friends, uh, cause he loved to talk about baseball and I approached him. Uh, I think it was an all-star game that Trevor was playing in. And, um, I ended up going up. I said, Hey, Warren, I think I'm going to do pitching lessons. Would you be interested? And next thing you know, um, he said, well, let me talk to Trevor. It sounds really good, but let me make sure he's on board with this. So he, I think he paged me. Uh, cell phones weren't really uh, ubiquitous yet. And I, I had a pager. And so he paged me and I called him back and he goes, yeah, we want to do it. And Friday afternoon at three o'clock when Trevor got out of school, he went to the same elementary school as my kids. And so I started doing lessons uh, with him. And I think for about two months, uh, it was just him and I. And then two brothers across the street saw what I was doing. The dad approached and now I had three kids. And then another family saw me from the school. I had four. And I think at about, probably about five months later, I ended up putting flyers. Um, we have a complex, a baseball complex, uh, Heart Pony Baseball, the second biggest um, organization for uh, youth baseball in America. I put uh, flyers on every single one of those cars in the parking lot because they had tryouts and there might have been 300 cars out there. It was phenomenal. And my phone blew up. And at that point, I realized I, I said to my then girlfriend, my now wife, I said, what would you think if I did this for full time? And she's like, yeah, you should go for it. I, you know, you like to do it. And, and so um, lo and behold, I, uh, I, I started doing it at the park. Um, I went to another park. Um, it was pretty brutal, the teaching initially, but, uh, someone saw me at a camp that I was working with Jager sports. Uh, Alan Jager was a college teammate of mine, along with his business partner, Jim Vatcher, and they run Jager sports. And I think everybody knows about J bands. Um, and, uh, a guy said, Hey, I'm opening up a new facility up the road here. Do you want to work there? And I was off. And I think probably about Eight years after that point, I, uh, I opened up my own facility because I was comfortable having enough clients and I was paying too much to the owner of the other place. And next thing you know, I've got my own facility and I think we're in year nine right now, um, uh, training guys. And 
we've had the likes of Trevor Bauer, Tyler Glass now has been one of our longtime clients. Um, I think this last year we had seven guys in the major leagues that had come through our tiny little place and we had numerous division one kids. So it's been, it's been pretty cool. And it was really good timing on my part to sort of see, Hey, there's no pitching help out here. Let's, let's see how this goes. Yeah. It's, and for those listening, it's called throw zone Academy, correct? Yes. Right on throw, the head. No, that's, I mean, that's it's such a great story. And again, you hear that sometimes of how certain businesses start up, but it's, it's pretty cool that you were able to see how, what the future was going to hold in terms of, you know, the direction of player development 15 years before it really caught on even at the, the higher levels. Now, one of the uh, questions that I have, and I'm curious about this, you said, you know, you've worked with Trevor Bauer since, I think he was what you said, 10 years old, 10 years old, 10 years old. So when you start to work, when you work with big league pitchers, now they're big league pitchers, but back then they're just kids. Is there anything different about them that you see, or is there no difference at all when it comes to just personality or work ethic or just skills in general that they have versus other kids, or is it just case by case? I don't think there's much difference. Um, I was really spoiled in, in looking back that Trevor was a kid who was so focused on getting better. I, I didn't know any better. I just thought maybe every kid was like this. And as soon as I got like my fifth kid who um, who just wasn't involved as much as his dad wanted him to do it, and the kid would have been much more happy playing on the swing, um, I, I, I sort of realized that, that Trevor was just different from everybody else. He worked very, very hard at it. He, he was told by his dad in order to continue lessons with Jim, um, that he needed to work during the week and he long tossed. He did a lot of strength stuff that we got. Um, cause I, uh, in 2003, I'd met, <clears throat> uh, the person who's probably my mentor, Ron Wilforth of the Texas baseball ranch. And, um, we sort of followed the protocols that, that the ranch was doing and uh, Trevor just did everything. And then he would ask questions. I mean, we used to argue about, oh, that was a good two seam. He goes, that's my sinker. Like, well, where do you hold it? I hold it right here. Well, that's the two seam. And we would go back and forth. And he goes, yeah, but the ball sinks. So it's my sinker. You know, it's just, but I'd never had anyone like that. And I didn't really know any better. So um, I was told something a long time ago that when you, work with a young, a young player. And that's really kind of my area of expertise. And I say young player, like we'll have some nine and 10 year old kids, but we really, really flourish with the high school kids. And uh, cause those kids become the college kids and those kids become the pro kids. So we don't ever look forward to think that Trevor's going to become, you know, uh, this player that has the highest contract, uh, in major league history. I mean, it was, I, when they said that a couple Fridays ago, it was like, really? I mean, I grew up reading the history of baseball. I, I, I knew about, you know, the, the murderers row with the Yankees back in the twenties and, and, and Babe Ruth getting sold from the Red Sox to the uh, Yankees for a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it, you just, it, it's just mind blowing. So I I've always been told by Ron that, you really believe in everybody and then, and, and you can't determine and play God who that person's going to be. So I've really held 
held that true <clears throat> to uh, to my heart that whenever I work with someone, I'm just going to assume they're going to become the best person. They're going to play high school and beyond. Um, you kind of have some telltale signs um, of, of the kids that aren't. I, I had a kid one time and he would not listen. It was a 30 minute session. I dreaded it from the beginning. And one day I was like, maybe I should get like some bubble gum. I got some bubble gum from, from a store. And I said, listen, I said, do you want to do a contest and you want a piece of gum? He's like, absolutely. And that kid focused the whole time. And, and it was just little things like that, that, you know, now we do things, uh, uh, with contest and and guys trying to compete against each other in our group formats and you just understand that you can't tell who that person's going to be you have unique situations <clears throat> and you know the, some kids that are serious but injuries play a part and you can't control how much they throw on a weekend which is a really big problem uh with with youth baseball um but you, you give them all the tools that they need and, and then you just allow them to kind of take it for their own. And, and that's how we sort of like deal with kids on an individual basis. Um, you know, and it's been very successful over the last, you know, 10 years, particularly. Do you try to educate parents on, as you just mentioned, kids throwing too much on weekends and at games and pitch limits and things like that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we talked, to the players, parents all the time about that. And, and I write a newsletter that comes out every month to our uh, client group that's getting close to a thousand people. Wow. And, and that's something that um, that is very important to me. I'm also the pitching coach at a local high school out here. And um, we've had really good success, knock on wood. Um, but I treat those guys uh, as if they're my own um, because I have a job to do with, with developing those guys. And, and what ends up happening is that I know what works in our program, uh, particularly for the high school. So we'll educate the parents and the players on what they should be doing, particularly when they uh, are outside of high or they're before high school, because, you know, organizations like, um, AAU and, and Triple Crown and U-Triple-S-A, um, they may give like inning limits, but they don't give pitching limits, uh, pitch count limits. And, and that's just absurd that people will allow their kid to go um, three innings, 74 pitches. And, and I tell them like, listen, either your son sucks or your son's defense sucks. And either way, you need to get out of there. So, you know, we've, I've always told them, we, we've always had a thing, 30 pitches in an inning, you're done. Um, you know, you should be using about 15 pitches um, on, on average per inning. So if you went three innings, 45 pitches, that's a pretty good outing. But uh, we'll also understand, like, listen, at a minimum, you're going to have 20 warmups. So we're going to add 20 on to, to uh, let's say they do go uh, three innings, 60 pitches. Well, you got 20 warmups. That's at a minimum. So now they're at 80 pitches and they've got probably about close to 20 warmups between innings. Uh, that's another. So now they're at 100. So now you get them to understand you've gone three innings, 100 pitches, and they look at it a lot differently. Um, and, and so they'll talk to their coaches and let them know because coaches sometimes for whatever reason, just don't realize where they're at. <clears throat> or 
not allowing them to bring their son in from second base <clears throat> to get their team out of the inning. And he's done nothing in terms of warm up, which is another big factor. And, and that's where injuries come in. And sometimes we have to deal with those things um, to get them back on track. So what is it like if I walk into your facility for the first time? I mean, can you take me through like what would it be? What would it be like? Like, what would I go through? What would be the, the session look like? Like, just can you take me through and just like what, what a day in the life would look like at ThrowZone for a first time client? Sure. Well, there's two different paths that we can take. The one that's sort of most traveled um, is we have classes at 4, 6, and 7.30 every night. 7.30 is our, our advanced class. We have anywhere from four to eight kids per class. And when someone comes in, we're going to have them go through a warm-up routine, uh, like foam rolling. We're going to, if, if we can get a student to help teach them, which we really try to encourage because in a selfish way, I think, um, you know, I'm trying to find another student teacher um, for down the road if, if, uh, if uh, my partner can't be there. But um, class starts, we go through and our class structure is the same. We just change up the exercises every week. We go through a dynamic warmup. Uh, we're gonna do agility work. Uh, we are going to do uh, thoracic stretching uh, exercises to, to get their back woken up. We're gonna take them through an arm care routine. Um, and we're doing all this within like the first 30 minutes. Um, we warm up to throw, we don't throw to warm up. And that was something else that I learned from, uh, from uh, Coach Wolforth. Um, then we break into our uh, deceleration patterning, meaning that we're teaching the kids how to decel properly. Um, we're using um, plyo care balls, uh, oats, specialty balls, um, <clears throat> and throwing into pads. We also use sock gloves. They're called the Dura-Throw sock, and we're working on arm action. Um, so after those two things, we break off into a lower half group an upper half group. I'll do the upper half. Uh, Warren will do the lower half. Um, usually at about 70 minutes into the class, we go up to the mound. We're going to do mound work and uh, work on any sort of spin, uh, off-speed pitches as well. Turn the radar on the kids because we realized a long time ago, if the radar gun doesn't go on, uh, they are not going to be happy. Um, even if they're, even if they know they're not going to get a high, I mean, they're pushing themselves and, and we have a contest at the end and we'll break out a cowbell, a siren. I mean, if someone gets a new record, we're, uh, we're celebrating it. And, um, matter of fact, we have a board next to the mound. It's got all the velocities from, uh, we, we did it in a, in a martial arts format where 90 miles an hour is black belt. 85 to 89 is is double brown brown all the way down to yellow belt and um you know if a kid throws it if he's i don't know let's say 60 miles an hour and the next time he gets 60.1 we're celebrating that kid walks out on cloud nine he just got a high you know it might be tenth of a mile but but that's important for them in terms of goal setting. And so we'll walk those kids through uh, myself uh, usually, or if I've got a student teacher, they will uh, take them through all of the exercises. And I don't think I've ever had a kid because I always specifically ask them like, you know, is this what you thought it was going to be? It's always no, because most pitching instructors have a kid throw to some, to a catcher and they sort of teach from, you know, the side of them. Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, so did you like it? And it's like, oh yeah, 
that was that was fun and uh we get clients to come back and they're excited to come back because they realize you know the the variety that we're mixing into as well yeah i've never understood on social media why there's so many people out there who don't don't see the value in kids, you know, setting those goals and then achieving them too. And I I think people need to understand that 99% of kids who are, who are doing these aren't going to make millions of dollars throwing a baseball. So by, by setting these goals, by having them realize that they can do it, you know, that beat those goals or those numbers, whatever it is, it gives them a joy. And I, I just don't see why you would want to take that away from them and, and make it so old school. And one of the things that I had, uh, actually saw, cause when I was doing some little bit of research for this is you said the, the most important piece or most important object in your entire facility is nothing tech tech or anything like that. It's the whiteboard, which you just alluded to a little bit, uh, to right there. Yeah. I, I actually learned that at, uh, 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 Coach Wolford did a like a, a marketing boot camp, and uh, there was different academy owners from across the country. Someone uh, sa- suggested uh, that they said, "Well, this is what we did," and and I was like, "It's like the light bulb went on over my head." And uh, when I got home, I immediately created that board, and and um, there weren't very many names on it, uh, but now this board is is got names just jam packed into all the different levels and the kids they'll they walk in the door they're going to turn left to walk into the facility and then immediately on their left the board is there and they all just do this they just look up at the board and see if their friends have thrown harder than them uh they know uh they you know they almost universally they all stop to see what's going on with with velocities and you know, it's not the most important thing, um, but it is important in terms of their development to understand that they're working towards a goal. And, and then quite honestly, you know, the high school that I'm out at, that I'm at, and as well as a number of the high schools in this area is Division One uh, CIF, which is the California Interscholastic Federation uh, Southern Section. It's probably unquestionably the best uh, section in, in the United States. Some of the teams that have, and the players that have come out of this area are phenomenal. And we uh, understand that guys need to have velocity to, in order to compete. And we also know what colleges expect. You're not going to take uh, a big college is not going to take a kid, a right-hander who's six feet tall, throwing 82 miles an hour. And, and even if they have impeccable control. So we work on velocity, we work on strengthening, but it's, it's, it's a process. It's not, you know, kind of like a get rich scheme, get rich scheme that uh, is going to get you to gain five miles. And, and that you're right on social media, there's a lot of people, you know, particularly in that area, it's like, do you want to gain three to five miles? That almost universally fails. Um, you, you will gain velo, but it's a process that you have to carry over time. And it's not just giving you a book and say, and I understand the marketing aspect of what you need to, to do, to sell a product. I, I'm, I mean, I am in that world. So I, I understand that, but it takes a lot of work. It takes guidance. It takes someone to show you the way. And that's a big part of, of all of this is, um, giving them goals. Uh, to shoot for 
and then also giving them um, a path to go along and, and talking them about their throwing routine during the week. Um, we have practiced twice, you know, uh, do you do bullpen? It's not really okay. When you're in here, this is the bullpen. However, you need to make sure you add a long toss in there or whatever. If you're going to pitch uh, on a Saturday, you know, give yourself Friday the day before to, to be your day to, if you want to play light catch, that's fine, but you're building up for Saturday, just like we do with high school or college. You know, you have your, especially in pro ball, you have your every five days and, and those guys have to prepare um, to, to get ready by that fifth day to answer the bell. You know, in high school, it's every seven days. And it's sometimes with the youth kids, it's uh, anywhere from every seven to 14 days, depending on, you know, what they're doing with games and such. And now they don't shoot games down right now because um, if they can find a field and, and with the pandemic going on, it's really difficult, particularly here in California, <clears throat> in the strict regulations that are going on compared to the rest of the country, uh, it's important for those kids, if they can find a game and a pitch, it's like, we need to get you ready, even if we know it's three weeks from now. At what age do you start introducing breaking bowls? Because I know that's, that's another big topic. Um, I almost immediately. I mean, almost immediately. So like even my kids, nine and 10 years old. Yes. And, and, and there's a specific reason why we do that. Number one. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, uh, I was throwing, look at my curveball, look at my sinker, look at my, uh, what, ha what have you. Um, but we have a very specific rule about it. And that is we can only throw it in here and we're going to show you proper, uh, a proper way to throw it without snapping your elbow, turning your, I mean, a lot of kids was like, Oh, I just turn at the end. And that's not what we want. So uh, we tell them they are not allowed to throw it in the game. We're going to throw it like maybe two to four times in here just to have some fun with it. Because that's the other thing. Kids love to throw a curveball. Uh, if they say slider, it's like, no, you're not, we're not going to be even be close to a slider. I, I won't really work with a kid in a slider until he's maybe about a junior in high school. Cause I know that's, that's the pitch that, that will get you eventually. Um, but the curveball is, is considerably more safe than even throwing a fastball. It's really? more it, the curveball. Yes. There's no question. I, I told someone the other day and I don't have scientific proof, but in my, uh, you know, two to three decades of being around baseball in the last two decades uh, teaching it is that <clears throat> the curveball is probably the safest pitch. Uh, the fastball comes after that, the changeup because of the fact that you've got your hand, you know, kind of across the ball, there's tension in the forearm and a lot of pitchers. I, I can specifically think of like Steven Strasburg. He threw a changeup when his elbow went. Um, and then the, the slider is, is, you know, the worst one of the four, but the way you throw a curveball properly is, is you're involving your torso, you're involving your shoulder and coming over this way instead of snapping and bending. And most kids snap and bend. So we want to teach them, you know, the proper technique. And then if it gets to a point, you know, where it's like, man, their spin is absolutely fantastic. They can throw it. Um, I tell them you get one per one, pitch one curveball per inning that's it and and you may even throw it not as a strike you know a strikeout pitch but a setup pitch for your fastball um, where you get someone just you know coming out of their shoes on that pitch 
and the kids love it and they understand, you know, with us talking them over and over and over and over how important it is for us to work it up, work on it in here. And then you're going to have that later because the high schools expect you to have it. And, and most kids do have it and you'll see it at the freshman level uh, quite a bit, but um, if they start learning it in their freshman year, it's, they, they've got a steep climb to really get it perfected right. And I got a kid at uh, University of Arizona right now, and he basically was recruited because of his curveball. He's got a pro level curveball right now. And uh, he started that at probably about sixth grade. And uh, which is when he kind of first came to me, but we, we worked on it for a good two years before that became his out pitch. And, and that's usually the timeline. It is, it may take a couple of years before they're comfortable with it. Yeah. Well, he's definitely in really good hands out in Arizona with uh, Nate Yeski out there. And he's great job pitching at the very pitching coach. We've had him on the, yes. on the podcast before. Have too. You? Oh, Nate, Nate's great. He's, he's yeah. an amazing pitching coach. Absolutely. Yeah. He does a great job. Well, that's, that's good. Good. Great information. Cause I'm sure I know we're going to have parents who are going to listen to this with young kids. And I think just to, to wrap up that question, you're, you're fine with them learning to throw it the proper way, which I guess, you know, we're gonna have people listening to this, you know, honestly, we've had several, several even countries, you know, not just all over the United States, but the proper way, but it's not just only the proper way, it's just not doing it all the time too. So just limiting the amount that they do it very, it sounds like, I mean, you're saying once an inning or game or once, you know, here yeah. or there, it's just for a young player. Sure. Yeah. For a young player. Absolutely. Well, and, and you were saying something that sort of caught me a little bit. It's like, yeah, a proper way. And that can be subjective for people. They, yeah. Some people just may not know uh, a, a good way to throw it. Um, and, and for that reason, parents may not necessarily be comfortable uh, with it because, you know, throwing a curveball has a, a stigma to it. And that's the, that's the pitch that hurts the arm, but it just isn't. Uh, and I know uh, Trevor Bauer was throwing that pitch uh, at nine years old and he dominated with, with the pitch, but he just caught onto it. He used to study pitchers. He used to see how they threw it. Matter of fact, uh, Trevor on his YouTube channel, uh, which a little shout to him is a Bauer outage. Um, he has a, a pitching grips video, uh, somewhere amongst the many videos there. And uh, he talks specifically about how to grip the curveball and, and how he does it. And he basically got drafted because of his curveball, um, you know, uh, uh, the third overall pick, because it was a wipeout pitch. I mean, we used to go to UCLA and watch it, but it was the same, it was the same thing when he was a kid, it was just an absolute hammer. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's something for the kids to look forward to. And I think that's one of the most important things. You want someone to want to work with you because they want to, not because they have to. And that's important for parents to understand with their kids. Their kids are all different. Some are quiet, some are very <clears throat> obnoxious, some are somewhere in between. And, and you have to find sort of the ability within that kid to do this and get them excited and to get their interest peaked because most of them just kind of learn like, Oh, the curveball is bad. And it, it just really isn't. Um, and they're going to throw it with their friends anyways. 
They all do. I, I've seen it at, at youth games when, when I used to coach my sons and, and, and you can just see a ball starting to loop. And, and I just wouldn't say anything because I did the same thing. It's, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that, that goes on. And so you may as well work with them, do it properly so that they can be ahead of the curve. What's one trend in pitching that you see happening uh, in the future? Because right now it's you know high uh, high in the zone. That's where a lot of pitchers are trying to get to. I mean, do you? I mean, I, it seems like eventually the trend's going to go somewhere else. So, is there something else that you think is going to be next in pitching? Spin rate Spin is rate. going to, is going to take a big leap, um, and it's already there. Um, right. You know the the and, and I, it was probably about a couple of years ago, I really truly understood what spin rate can do. And, you know, you always wonder, I remember, I don't know if it was 2014 in the World Series of Red Sox, had a Japanese pitcher, Uhara, I think was the last name. And he's throwing 88, 89. And it's how can he get away with that? It's like guys are late. And, uh, and then you see a reliever come in who's, 95, 96, just getting hit all over the place. But Uhara's, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Uhara's spin rate was like 27, 2800 RPMs. And what spin rate does is uh, naturally a ball that's getting thrown is going to have a tail sort of down, downward. Those are guys that are in the average in terms of a major league spin rate average is about 2250, 2270. And guys that have a lower spin rate, which is a lot of kids at the younger level, you know, the ball is maybe 80 out of their hand, maybe about 72 by the time it gets to home plate. And it's just going this way. Well, what hitters do is hitters train watching a ball track down this way. Because if you think about it, a, a, a coach is throwing from an elevated mound. He is 45 feet, whatever. And he's throwing the ball on a downward slope. So hitters train to sort of follow down this way. But what spin rate does is the ball doesn't come down. A higher spin rate basically misses bats. And, and if you ever watch baseball games, guys that miss under a fastball, those are the guys that are going against high spin rate guys. And People don't really understand the value of it. We have some kids. Matter of fact, I was mentioning this kid that's at Arizona. He uh, he is like 2,400, 24 to 2,500 spin rate uh, without any use of grip, and and that's extremely high. Um, I think what you're going to find more and more, and it'll be interesting to see how baseball catches up with it, is that. Uh, there's only one way to manipulate spin rate and it's, and, and that's some sort of sticky grip and it's, it's ubiquitous in, in pro ball, as, as you probably know. And it's something that, you know, baseball's trying to get a handle on it, but I don't think hitters necessarily care if anything, maybe the pitcher can control, you know, the ball, which is a slick surface, the pro ball is just low seam, slick surface. And um, you don't want something 95 going errant and ending up in the middle of your, of your scaps <clears throat> while at, at, at the bat, you know, so in, in you being a former hitter, you, you probably know that fear of, oh my gosh, you know, this thing is, I'm going to get drilled right here. 
and it's scary, but, but guys, I, I don't think hitters mind it too much. Uh, from what I've gathered is that hitters don't mind uh, pitchers using sticky, but you're going to see this start to happen at the lower levels. It is happening in college. And I think the NCAA is going to try to curtail that this year. I'm not sure how, but I think you're going to start guys at the lower, like high school and maybe not below, but high school guys try to emulate the next level who are emulating the next level. And I think you're going to start to see more and more uh, kids trying to utilize some form of sticky, whether it's Pelican grip or spider tack or, or what have you, uh, because they're going to understand the value of, of having a higher spin rate and the swing and miss rate that they're going to have. Um, we got a couple years ago, we got a rap Soto and uh, you can just see the difference of how well the ball comes out of the hand with a higher spin rate than it is with lower. And I think every, and I, and I say spin rate specifically, cause I think everybody understands the importance of velocity and there's a lot of great programs out there and, and velocity is getting built. Um, and, and the same thing with multiple pitches, um, the technology is really taking hold. You and I were talking before the interview about that with what the colleges are doing it and how it's a springboard for college uh, college coaches to go into professional baseball, uh, particularly guys that jump right to the major league level. But um, the technology is there. I'm sure it will be improved, but I think the ability to have greater spin efficiency, uh, uh, Edgetronic camera, uh, Rapsodo's got a, a, a camera called Insight, these slow motion like up to a thousand frames a second are going to get people to understand where their hand is on the ball. And I, I think that's going to be something that's going to become perfected and, and is going to be, I would hope at, at other facilities. I know we have it and I know there's other facilities I see online that use it, but I, I think it's something that will be important so that kids understand hand placement um, on a curveball, uh, how the ball comes out of the hand on a changeup as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it spin rate, I think, is really where it's going to start to uh, uh, become more known to the baseball world. Um, and it's already happening at this point. But I think it's going to trickle down to the high school level o- along with the college level. Yeah. And, and before you know it, it's going to be probably at the junior high level and, and everything else, the way things are going. Sure. Absolutely. Kids like to have fun with stuff like that. So absolutely. You know, That's the thing is, we we do don't make it fun. I mean, I was talking to a, a guy in professional baseball the other day. He was a player. And one of the things he was saying was how if he were a kid and someone told him, hey, you have to be a pitcher only mm-hmm. at 12 years old. I mean, that's not fun. Like he, no. He's like, I don't I think I might would have went and done something else and not yeah. even continue to play. So I think. We have to keep it. That has to be, I think, number one is like these. Let's make sure we provide an environment where kids can have fun and compete. I mean, I think competition is fun. And you mentioned alluded to it earlier with the whiteboards and ringing the bell after they get a new PR and all those things. I think all those are huge. And they they all play a role in, in kids realizing when they work hard at something like you, there's a good chance you're going to get a reward from it. You're going to meet those goals. And there's going to be times when you don't, too. But that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. And I think also, particularly with the pandemic that there's, uh, and I was telling you before the interview as well, like the Southern California region is very, very strict in terms of regulations. It, this California 
and I don't want to go into a whole thing about California and the way we're doing things here, but, but it's really restrictive. And so kids have had their sports taken away. And I think kids are going to be just so excited to play games. I think we're going to uh, actually have a high school baseball season out here. Um, albeit it'll be a shorter amount of games, but the kids are so looking forward to start playing. And for us, these, the travel teams in this area, they're going to Arizona every weekend or every other weekend. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just too much. They'll go to Utah. They were going to Nevada because California wasn't allowing them to play. And, and, you know, it's not fun when you're not playing. I, matter of fact, uh, with the pandemic, uh, most people just assume that every business in California closed. I didn't close and I wasn't going to because people needed an outlet. And I had people, I had parents saying, thank you for staying open because my kid would have gone crazy. And we already have a mental health issue out here with kids being inside all day. I have a 13 year old daughter that, that unfortunately has to live in a room to go to school. And, um, but in terms of baseball, uh, we stayed open, the kids developed and then teams started to figure out ways to play some underground games and, and, uh, they couldn't be more happy. And, and that is an important part of development is being uh, happy with what you're doing and getting joy out of it. You know, there's, there's no joy sitting around and not playing games. And, um, and there's no joy if, if you just throw and throw and great, I hit the target. No, now you hit the target, but you, you, you see what your numbers are on the, on the radar board and, and that just gets them excited. And that's what you have to do. If they don't love it early, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to uh, love it later because the stakes go up and it's more serious. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Any, any last words of um, advice for, for people listening from just again, Jim, you have the, you have the floor right now. Anything else you'd want to say on the podcast? Um, no, I think if there's uh, parents that are listening, I, I really do think it's important that you find someone that is uh, working with your son and is doing the things to get them engaged. And it may, sometimes it may take you going to several different instructors, whether it's hitting or, or pitching uh, to find the one that, that works for you. Um, coaches have egos. We all want to sort of stake our claim into a player. I, I, I could, you know, just tell everybody every day that you see what Trevor Bauer did see what my Cy Young Award guy did, but it's been a, a, a collaborative effort and, and it's important early to get a really, really good foundation in teaching things that are going to, uh, not like silly drills, um, uh, but, but things that are actually going to get them to develop as a whole. And, and so we break down the delivery by doing different things throughout a session and then putting it all together at the end. And, and I think if, if, if the kids have fun doing it and you find the right person to get them involved, I know of a number of great uh, uh, programs across the country um, and, and those people do the same thing that we're doing. Uh, and, and we all have really good results because of it. So, you know, make sure that you, you just don't, see the same person because he's a good guy. You know, if, if, he, if he's, if you don't see results or you don't see development, then it, it might be time to do some more research. And, and 
quite honestly, that's what uh, Warren Bauer, when he was, and Warren actually works for me now. So I, I get to hear about, uh, you know, he's loves working with, with young players and, and uh, it, it's been a, an amazing uh, effort on both of our parts over the last almost seven years now. But he had told me that he did a lot of research for his son and they found out, uh, uh, you know, I approached them and then they looked into this and they checked out this and they saw videos of this. I mean, YouTube is an unbelievable source of, of, of visuals that, that kids are really, really, um, uh, you know, they really believe in, in visually seeing things instead of just hearing things auditorially. And so, uh, you know, do research to find the best possible situation for your kid because everyone's different. And just because this is the only guy in town doesn't mean you can't drive two towns over to find someone who, who might be that much better. So that's probably, you know, a good thing to end on, at least from my standpoint. I have to back you up on that 100%. I think that the kids that I work with whose parents uh, do do that research, you see the development at an even faster rate for their kids because they know what to uh, tell them when, you know, when they're away from the facility, you know, when they know what to work on outside, they're always asking good questions. They're just, they're into it. And like you said, they're putting in the time researching. And I just, it's one thing I've just noticed. Their kids just seem to move along faster. Um, because they're in the sense of their best coach. They see them every day. They live with them. So um, yeah, totally, totally back you up on that. Yeah, that's important. And hopefully uh, people understand the importance of that too. Jim, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, keep doing the great work that you're doing out there in California. And, and hopefully you guys will be able to play a, a full baseball season this year, or whatever that may look like. But again, appreciate your time. Absolutely. Patrick, I, I can't thank you enough. This was fun. I, I, it, was, it was a good time and I appreciate it. Thank you.